Welcome to another episode of Bringing Down the Grindhouse, a podcast where we discuss horror in media. And tonight, do you want to play a game, motherfucker? If you want to play a game, join us as we dive into Spiral. I'm Mitch. From the Book of Saw. Oh, from the Book of Saw. It does have a long title like that. Spiral from the Book of Saw. I'm Mitch. I'm Mer. I'm just Steve. And I'm Jonathan. Uh, yes, just like there are fish historians, oh, I am your saw historian for the night. <laughs> Boo this Boo man. Boo this man. Boo. No. <laughs> yeah, Chris Rock's in this movie, too. It's pretty cool. <laughs> it is pretty cool, actually. We'll talk about it. This well, is his first horror movie. Yeah, I guess so, huh? Yep. He, I mean, <laughs> go ahead and go. go. Just go straight into it. Go into the... Because there's a lot of production notes for this. There's a lot of interviews that were done about this because he was very adamant about making this movie. He wanted to branch out. So Spiral or the book from the book of saw came out 2021 when it was originally supposed to be released in 2020, but due to the pandemic, it got pushed back a year later. It is directed by Darren Lynn Bozeman, who is no, has done other saw movies. He was originally on saw five and six and then did jigsaw eventually. And then written by Josh Stolberg and Peter Goldfinger, who also wrote jigsaw prior uh, to this movie. It's the ninth Saw film, which is crazy to me because I can't, I can't believe they made nine. Dude, movies. those middle ones don't exist in my mind. They're like up great. until up until like three or four. Yep. When Jigsaw is still alive and then he eventually dies, uh, those are like the best ones. If you can call some of them the best ones, because it really gets uh, like just about the gore at some point. The first one was definitely like this is something you had never seen before pretty arts art house yeah they honestly. wanted to well it was made by these uh these dudes who only had uh, a single room to work in and they were trying to submit it to a festival with a limited budget so they made something out of that oh you mean I, our boys lee winnell yes. and james wan i think i think i stopped watching saw movies when there was no more danny glover in it because danny <laughs> glover was around in the true, saw movies actually, for a bit was, one, like, like, the, like the later ones after the first one anyway yeah i want to say I think he died in like the second or third. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that would yeah, make sense. Something like that. It was the shotgun, the shotgun above the uh, Yo, above the door that, was, that got that him. Was I his believe. Partner. Yeah. That was oh, really it was his fun. partner that got it. It's he, been a while. He, he got a knife to the neck, though. I know that. Yeesh. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'll go into production notes, and then we could just talk about shit. This movie stars Chris Rock in his first horror movie role, as well as Max Mingala, a new newcomer actor here and there from the British area. Of the world. You mean he's from Britain? He's from Britain, <laughs> but he actually does a pretty good American accent. I hope we have fans who are like, what the fuck? Yeah, <laughs> like, actually from Sorry British. to any of our British listeners. It's okay. We, we do our Yeehaw fan, too. Yeah. Our yeah we, got, we got our Limey fans. We got our Yeehaw fans. <laughs> oh! Oh! <laughs> oh, man. So he, he plays Detective, uh, Detective Shank. He's the new rookie cop that's going to be Chris Rock's partner. And then we have Marcel Nichols. She plays Angela, the head of the... Homicide department. Excuse you, that's Marisol. Marisol. <laughs> yeah. She was a TV actor. And yeah. so eventually she, she got a big break for this movie. She kind of looks like Cher. She, she kind of looks kinda like, look Cher. like Cher. Actually. She was also an, uh, one of the girls that gets killed in Scream 2. Dang, I forgot about that. So come in full circle. Oh, oh wait. Oh, she's, she's also. Oh, my God. She's also in Riverdale. Ew. Yeah, ew Isn't is correct. Isn't she like one of the moms? I think she is. I, I have to admit, I did watch the first season of it. So Well, yeah, every, you got to at least watch a few I gotta episodes of it. I got to give it a chance. It. Yeah. Yeah. It kind of blows my mind that that's Archie. 
the, the, the why comic. is Archie ripped? Yeah, what the hell? Oh, weird. I didn't even think about that. Um, and then we got uh, Samuel L. Motherfucking Jackson. I, lo- I love that he's just himself and everything he's in. <laughs> Pretty much. Especially in this movie. He's yeah. very much just chilling. For years, they were making jokes. Watch Samuel L. Jackson just do a Saw movie and be like, you want to play games, motherfucker? And they did it. <laughs> oh my it's God. true. They, they actually did. did. <laughs> um, supposedly, on the first day of shooting, uh, the the director, Bowsman, basically was just like, all right, Samuel Jackson, I need you to be like right here doing this scene. And, he, and then Samuel L. Jackson basically said, no. I'm not going to do that. And uh, he said it so sternly that Bowsman, like, fucking his, his butthole clench is what he said. In the interview, <laughs> he's like, dude. But he's like, he told him again to do it. And Samuel L. Jackson's like, oh, okay, I thought you were going to be a, one of those pushover directors. Good to know that you stand up for yourself. Dang. <laughs> Can you imagine getting tested like that on your set by, by some Samuel actors? Samuel L. Motherfucking Jackson. I mean, I think my butthole would have oh clenched God. too. I was, yeah. yeah. Fuck that. I would have lost my shit. I'm like, who the fuck do you think you are? <laughs> <laughs> who the hell? Tell me how to do shit. Just testing the fucking waters. Yeah, that's uh, real. At least you're not like some of the other directors that make him do it over and over and over again. Right. Um. So the cinematography was done by Jordan Oram. He basically has done a lot of music videos, uh, most notably recently for like Drake and stuff. But he uses a lot of different lenses as well as uh, what's the word for um, filters for this movie? Yeah, definitely. Lots of blues and lots of uh, bright uh, they oranges. They had a color scheme going through all of it. And as well as sometimes using Vaseline on the lenses as well. That's like such cool. an old trick yeah. to use for film. Like uh, I didn't even know if people were still doing it, to be honest, but it's so effective. Uh, the music was done by Charlie Clouser as well as 21 Savage. Nice. Custom song. I'm a huge fan of custom songs for movies. I don't know why we don't do this more often. Probably because they have trouble setting up the contract yeah. with, with people to make a song and then like tell them you need a song in like six months. And also, like, here's a here, here. Use a sample from one of the older movies also, to make your track. Which is dope. <laughs> so I was like, this is cool. I like it. Um, the Budget for this movie is twenty million. At the box office, it made forty point six million, so it made its money back somehow. It could not fail because it had a huge marketing machine behind it. They like you saw previews for this movie everywhere. Every single social media site you were on, you got a preview for this movie. Yeah, I was in theaters on that day. I watched the movie in theaters. <laughs> I, I I have to admit, because the thing is, we've been hearing about Chris Rock doing a Saw movie for like since twenty seventeen. I guess they. At a party in Brazil, I think it was a wedding party. Yeah, someone was like, "Yo, you, you want to do a soft film?" And Chris Rock was like, "Sure." So, dude, then... he spoke directly to the Lionsgate vice chairman at his own <laughs> yeah. fucking wedding, yeah. <laughs> and was like, "I need to make this movie." And he was like, "Let's do it." And that's literally how it happened. He's, he's basically he has a lot of roles on this. He is the lead actor, the co-writer, and executive producer. Yeah. So there are a lot of areas of the movie where comedy is thrown in and you could tell that it's Chris Rock's writing. Yeah, definitely. He's like making fun of cops basically being like they are like they live the most awful lives. Like they beat their wives. They're going to get divorced. Like <laughs> I, I don't I, I definitely chuckle when he's like when he's talking about Forrest Gump. Oh I was definitely God. like, holy God. shit. Like, <laughs> literally. <laughs> like, like that's some like Reservoir dog shit where it's yeah, like something that doesn't even matter before they do a heist. Yeah. Yeah. Which was kind of funny to begin with because I, I was wondering what their plan was. Like, were they just going to drive out of the elevator? Yeah. And, like, that yeah. was how they escaped? 
Yeah, because uh, Chris Rock goes undercover with these drug dealers. So funny. Just steals all their money. But prior to that, he has this hilarious conversation how fucking Forrest Gump is a movie about uh, fucking abuse. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Literally fucking. Much. What is it, Jenny? Yeah, is yeah the fuck Jenny. Who, who's just like, oh, no, I can't be with you, Forrest. And then at the end, when she She's gets like, fucking oh, AIDS, I have like, oh, AIDS. I can be with you now. And he's like, what the fuck? It's like, no one else wants to be with me, but I know you're still simping. So what's up? Hey, I have AIDS. Damn. Yeah. <laughs> Which, I mean, while I was watching this, I was like, he's not wrong. Like, he's totally not wrong. <laughs> fuck. He's like, where's Gump 2? <laughs> 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 I don't know if I need a second movie for yeah, that, honestly. He's like, he's like, and he's like, John, it's a nice ending. He's like, nah, it isn't. Where's Gump 2, dog? It somehow <laughs> would not work today to make a movie like that. Oh, fuck no. <laughs> that's what he was saying. He was saying you can't make it because you can't <laughs> stuff like that. Yo. Yeah. That, that's literally what he says. You have to say mentally challenged. And he was like, that's the whole point of that. I'm straight up going to put a little bleep <laughs> when you say that <laughs> in, this, in this part of the podcast. It's pretty great. I'm quoting, okay? This oh is not my God. real voice. This is not my real, <laughs> not my real voice. <laughs> um, I guess a whole part of the movie also had to be cut due to the MPAA. Yeah. Oh, the skinning scene. The skinning scene. Wild. And the, and the trap where someone gets their face ripped off. So I just want to know, who did they actually skin since it wasn't the dude we thought it was? They skinned... Uh, what's his name? They skin <laughs> they <laughs> they skin the fight the the bum who stole the the purse oh, in the first scene. Yeah, gotcha. Uh, yeah, but yeah, what do you guys want to start with? Plot on this shit. <laughs> well, you also have to mention that this does not have Tobin Bell. As oh Jigsaw. yes, that's a he big was one. purposely left out because they wanted to make a film that existed in the universe but was separate from the original movie. So it's not a sequel to anything. It exists on its own and they deal with a copycat killer. It isn't actually Jigsaw himself. And the only reference you get to him is a photograph. There's even like a new little puppet ish kind of thing. And then he has, um, the only thing I think is the OG mask, the like pig head that he still uses. So it got mixed reviews, obviously because Chris Rock is the main character. And that's probably the first question I have. Did you like Chris Rock in a horror film? Cause I think I liked it. I think he did well, even though he makes weird faces. I think it's still <laughs> he, he no, makes fa- weird faces. He makes weird faces all the time. Yeah. And I I'm gonna be the, I'm gonna be this guy. I'm gonna be the party pooper. I did not think he did very well in this movie at all. And there's one scene that sticks out in particular to me. It's when he's sitting, he's standing in the room with Samuel Jackson. They're having a discussion. Yeah. You now know Samuel Jackson's his dad. He's like, I could have killed you. And that was much more believable than anything Chris Rock said in the rest of the movie. Like, he comes it, off very much as this like spoiled brat child. Man. I think that coming from a background of comedy, there's a certain intensity you have to have when you're performing. True. And he brought that same intensity to this role. But I feel like the role that he was taking on is this like investigator. Typically, they're seen as being more cool, level headed people. But he was kind of a loose cannon, very spiteful. He was quippy. He always would have something to say during that. And I think that was just a result of him having his comedy instilled into the horror, which is hard to do like to start with. Yeah. I mean, it's, it seems, it also seems like he's definitely new to this game and it shows, it shows that he's new. He's, he's got some work he's got to do, but I think that there's, I think he has potential. That's what I think. I think that he needs to sit in horror a little bit more maybe, or try another role. Um, Personally, I think he did pretty good. The comedy here made me laugh. And the thing is, at some point, I forget that I'm watching a Saw movie. And 
I'm thinking of like a general in the area of buddy cop movie. It does go into so, that realm of buddy cop movie with his rookie partner. Right. And so the comedy works really well, but uh, the serious parts, I mean, he has some, like, like you said, the facial expressions are very expressive. He has the, like the expressions that are meant to make you laugh, which are not entirely appropriate for the scene that's happening in front of him, oh. which is usually dark and violent. Yeah. I mean, it's dark. You're in, you're in like a, like the police headquarters when they're going over crazy murders of them all dying. And then you've got Chris Rock making funny ass faces and not being quite as, this, I don't know. It just, it just doesn't, it, he, he's trying, you know, <laughs> he's trying real hard, this but it's could just, also for me, be it ain't working. That we cannot take him out of what we've seen him in typically is comedy. And he's been heavily typecasted as that because that's where he started his career. So it could be that seeing him transition to something completely different is hard in general for us to see him and things like this, because he does have the serious police investigator like demeanor about him, but he's not the typical one you see where like they are cool and collected and usually like really tough. In this case, he was a smart ass for most of the things and always had something to say. So uh, it kind of changes that perspective. It's like what Justine said, kind of just um, loose cannony. Because he, <laughs> would, he would often go on his own to do investigations where he has a cover. Like yeah. there's like well, there's also the subplot that he told on another cop. So he is not right. liked yeah, in that precinct. Getting some major Seprico vibes. And if you haven't seen Seprico, it's that's about a good reference. Uh, I think Al Pacino was the star of the film. He plays this like hippie kid that grew up in New York and just wants to help his community. So he goes into the police academy, starts to notice some corrupt things happening and snitches on a cop, ends up getting shot. And that's a direct parallel to this movie as well. You have Chris Rock playing this noble cop who is trying to cleanse the the department of all of the crime and he's kind of like trying corruption. to figure he's trying to figure out like how can my team trust me as well as like be there for each other with loyalty and even still though... stand by my own Ooh, morals damn yeah. you you straight up pulled up like an exact analogy to the story that gets created for that mm -hmm. film uh serpico came out in 73 and it's yeah. literally about a cop who won't take bribes and is not mm -hmm. a crooked cop and then gets pretty much like his whole life gets destroyed by the rest of the precinct mm -hmm. who is, uh, who are all crooked cops. So And spoiler, yeah. the movie ends with him ending up getting shot on the job yeah. by somebody they're trying to go after. Same thing happens before the movie really starts of Chris Rock getting shot um, on the job by somebody who is trying to catch yeah that's true huh mm -hmm. um i and they just didn't respond to his they uh, didn't want to help call. him out yeah they were like nope and he, he uh fuck him. he runs in he's like what the fuck he's like why are none of you answering why are none to why? pistol whip the person who <laughs> yeah. was on the job with him that was badass though yeah Holy he was like shit. my son called for backup three times within eight minutes and none of you motherfuckers helped him that and was he, great he's like i'm gonna call dispatch we're gonna figure out who the fuck was closest so i will say that they are breaking new grounds by having um predominantly black characters be the main character and also be in the police force and the chief of police being a woman of color also chief of police being a woman of color and she's tough like she's not a she pushover at all and is like definitely punishing him at some point because he's just not listening to her but this also had of course the appeal that you know fuck cops and fuck these corrupt cops who are like so you almost don't feel that bad that like they're getting fucking tortured because they've done terrible things and then the even the killer is like i'm only targeting these people who are doing bad things i i feel more bad for the people that get wrapped up in the murders like right. the first one where the guy's tied up in the train subway 
and the subway driver or the train Look, driver yeah, like ends up hitting him. That poor driver. I felt so bad traumatized for him. Just being for traumatized life. like that. Right. Having a body explode in front of your fucking window. Not cool. It's probably a Monday morning too. Uh, so I wanted to ask, so then what do you guys think of them creating a story separate from the main storyline of Saw? Do you think they should do more of these? Like where they explore other things that exist in that universe? I think the Saw series as a whole, one through nine is too fucking muddled. They, it's been pulled apart to pieces on like YouTube analysis that this story was not cohesive because they didn't keep the same writers throughout the entire yeah that's true series well they i i I was it was my understanding that they didn't want to make more than like one or two films right but they were like pressured to keep making them there's it was even in the marketing if it's halloween it's saw i remember that distinctively because they would release one every halloween that's true they did that for a while i i want to i one thing i want to bring up is i think that the the tortures are the way that people die in this one i they weren't as satisfying I would say as like earlier ones, simply because the people that are in these situations, they're always bad people. Right. Usually they've always done something wrong, but the thing is like the devices they have are usually they, there's a reasonable way that they can escape from the situation. You know, it's like somewhat reasonable in, in like, but in, in like this climbing scale we have in saw oh, what, is, up, what right? is reasonable. Yeah. Right. But in this one, it feels like the guy, and this is why, and I guess that plays in more with this as a copycat killer. Cause he's not doing it. In my mind, the what I expect from Saw, which is I expect these victims to be either have like, oh, they have a way out. They just have to go through hell to do it. Yeah. But in this one, it's like, okay, you can either die or be paralyzed for the rest of your life. And it's like, I, and I'm kind of like, okay, so there's no way out of this set. So you're just, you're just setting up people to die. Oh, I get you. You know what I mean? Yeah. Whereas like in other ones, it's like dig a key out of your leg. Okay. Reasonable. The person could survive this. There's like a moment of hope, but in these ones, I'm just watching. I'm like, this person's just gonna die. They're just yeah, it's they're, like sever your spinal cord, tear yeah. off your fingers, tear yeah. out your tongue. Yeah, oh, that's exactly. True, huh? right. And it's like yeah. you're gonna be paralyzed for life. And I and I think that it's less effective in this movie than it is in previous Saw movies. Well, yeah. yeah. The well, go ahead. Everybody had something to well, say. Well, <laughs> I was just gonna say, reasonably speaking, if you were to tear out your tongue, there's a major artery there, and so you would just bleed out. You would die anyway. Yeah. Yeah, and I don't know. And the other. Well, I wanted to bring this up. Because for the first nine movies they did, they have to have an engineer for everything. They have to have an engineer for these traps for the production. But also, it is Tobin Bell who has a degree in engineering behind the traps. Yeah. So, this is a guy in the story who basically, you know, knows how everything works, how all these mechanical and electrical things work. So, he makes them very realistic. They ask themselves at the prop department, how do we make this as realistic as possible? And so with this, it's a copycat killer. It's some guy that doesn't even have an engineering degree. He's just on a vendetta for his own yeah, personal reasons. Yeah, he was reasons. making up shit on so how to torture people. The thing is, I think that's the intent. These yeah. are made to not be able to win. Oh, I see. We take a tongue here or there. We break a few yeah, bones Yeah, because he wanted to kill them anyway, he so it's a no-win scenario. He wanted reform for the police, but radical reform for the police. <laughs> like, really radical. Shaka, bro, radical. Oh, my bro. God. Where your fingers at? <laughs> so then this is drastically different than the original idea. Like, in the first film, a woman escapes from yes. one of the traps, and afterwards, when they go and interview her, she admits that it actually helped her quit drugs. 
that she ends up being cured of her addiction because of this near-death experience that she has. And that was the thing that they were getting at, or what Mitch was explaining, is that in the original movie, the first one, they had ways to get out that they could survive like and they would and be fine. Yeah, they, yeah, they kept they have... it going, and then they abandoned it at some point. And then mm -hmm. it ended up just being about how crazy could this thing be and what's going to happen to them, and there was no escape from any the, of it. There is a certain level of degree, too, where some people's tests aren't even their own where they're yeah. all set up in these things. And it's like, they just have to wait for the guy to see if they could make the choice to free them or not. Wasn't it, wasn't there one where it was like a group of people who are together? Yes. It's a whole, it's a whole precinct for a uh, insurance company. Jeez. That was a uh, saw six. And I did they're not on see the, that one. They're on the spinning carousel and everyone's like, she's pr I'm pregnant. And they're like, bullshit, you're not pregnant. And they're like trying to make, moral decisions so they know who to kill of one of their co-workers it's crazy i remember that one yeah <laughs> um but i think in regards to your question i the the original line of story is too muddled there's too many things that people have nitpicked where they're just like there's no way that he could have been here and he could have done that unless he had a helper okay now we're adding in the helper who was actually the guy from this movie and it's just it's too muddled yeah. so at this point if we just focus on the book of saw like as a standalone they should make more Saw movies like this, but with more copycat killers for their own personal reasons. You could easily make copycat killers who had their sort of own um, set of like quote unquote morals on how they handle the deaths of people. And it would change drastically between each one because that happens in real life. There's a lot of copycats for real serial killers. They'll usually have someone who copies what they're doing and then ruins the investigation as they're trying to find the real one. And so they could definitely play on the idea that Jigsaw is somehow still alive, but he's not because he's been dead for a while in the yeah. series. So it's like that could be something that works well for it. I like the uh, the single targeting of a single precinct. Corrupt. Just a bunch of corrupt cops. These are like really asshole fucking cops. People lying on stand. People shooting innocent he people. He also tried to make it where like it was associated with what they did. Like that dude has his tongue in a vice because he'd been lying on the stand and so he had like in his mind it was like fucked up creative ways to kill people like symbolism yeah he like had just some like sort of yeah. symbolism yeah you gotta detach um, the tongue that lied so much the guy that like got that. his fingers ripped off pulled the trigger on an innocent yeah uh, witness right and then the chief of police got her face melted by hot wax basically which i think is sort of maybe like she puts on a face for people pretends to be this righteous person Ooh, she covers up everything yeah, yeah. She covers up. <laughs> exactly yeah. Um, so then, what do you think worked well for the film? What are things that, like, these things worked well for it, and this is kind of what kept it afloat? It, it brings up the classic Saw squeamishness that, oh, yeah. that is in, like, every single scene. So you're like, fuck my, the, God, I have to dig into my leg. Or there's a lot of good body horror type shit, you know what I mean? Yeah, and, I felt that. Yeah, and they, <laughs> and they, they did, that was done really well. You know, and it's more so, like, my nitpicks are usually with just, like, how are the traps designed? But then again, we're coming back to, like, like, this is the intent. This is the intent is that this person doesn't actually know what the fuck they're doing in comparison to Jigsaw previously. Yeah. So it makes sense that, granted, they're all symbolic, which is following in line with like what Saw movies typically do. You know, there's like a, sim there's a little tiny bit of symbology, probably more in your face in this one, I would say. Much more on the nose. Yeah, I get that. Um, shoot, what were you bringing up prior to that, though? Oh, oh. Sorry, can you repeat the question one more time? What do you think worked well for the okay. film? So for me, it's the cinematography and how they made this stuff more modern. How they, they updated this. You're not getting 2003 shaky cam 
fucking just 360 <laughs> view, everything like that. You're getting really good long shots. You're getting really good. Like the long shot where they go down the, the, the uh, tunnel and he's just like, yeah, my wife does Pilates. And Chris Rock's like, oh, I bet she does. Because <laughs> he's talking about uh, women cheating on police officers. Yeah, they have a whole dialogue between each other as they're going to the crime scene talking about, oh, you're going to get divorced. Like, if you're a cop, you're going to get divorced. <laughs> because <laughs> he's going through a divorce yeah, himself. You're basically guaranteeing yourself you're going to die alone. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah, that's the exact line from it, which is so fucked. But also, like, he's totally commenting on real statistics that – that people have pulled from from police i know that was a part that i was sort of like i don't know how to feel about it because on one hand a lot of times when people are going against any sort of anti-police movements they'll bring up statistics like look at the high death rate and the divorce rate and the suicide rate it's just awful what these people go through but they're also inflicting terror on their community oh yeah so they're trying to use the um the idea that all these things happen to them as a reasoning for their behavior in the job right which is kind of a weak argument to start with because uh their training already is not very long yeah get like a short amount of training on how to deal with all these situations plus they don't know how to deal with say like uh, like a social worker would be more prepared for something yeah, like that. Yeah, they're not really good at de-escalating a yeah, situation which is supposed to be part of the training as to how yeah. to handle things. So resolve things peacefully. This leads right into my question then for you guys is how like how do you feel about the fact that they did target cops in this movie? Like oh. this is very blatant. Like they were looking to kill cops in this movie. I like that they don't grab the random junkie off the street. They don't do like oh you you were a bad person, you killed someone with your car vehicle. They're targeting people who are corrupt cops, specifically in a distinct precinct, because it is known and thrown out in the film that every cop in this area was working under Article 8. And so oh, Article, right. Article 8 was something that they used to put a heel on the community because crime was so high that the cops basically had the keys to the, king, uh, the city to basically do whatever corrupt shit they wanted to, and everyone got away with it. So for me, it it's feels like justice served. And that the intent was there for the killer. And he had his own personal reasons because his father was innocently killed by uh, Chris Rock's previous partner, uh, Levy. Yeah. So it was cool to see that all happen um, because it's very relevant today. Like corrupt cops should get their just punishment. Yeah, I've seen I've seen a lot of criticism for the film saying that it was too heavy handed, especially towards the end when his dad just straight up gets like shot i don't know how many times that was insane which is like well he had he's tied up and then the he's like a puppet basically and they put a gun on him so that he would get shot after shooting at the cop so it ends up being that kind of ending but any criticism i've seen of course is that the argument is not every cop is going to be crushed but then you have the other side of that argument is Am I going to take the off chance that they're not? The, the movie's not even, not even, not even saying that. It's saying this True. precinct is this the one that's corrupt, and this. It's, so it's not even saying that. So even saying that, like this movie is saying, blah blah blah. Yeah. It doesn't even explicitly say it. it. Says that there are corrupt police and they need to be punished. Yeah, that's the truth. True. Deal with it. The scope of it was actually pretty good as far as that it wasn't the entire police force. So they weren't having all of these cops going and then getting killed for no reason, which I think does happen at some point. Detectives get killed in another Saw movie. They do. There's one throwaway line where fucking his partner asks him, yeah, well, why do you think they're targeting cops? And then Chris Rock's like, 
Jigsaw would never target cops. I'm like, dude, have you seen any of the other movies? They, they are literally the, all they do. Yeah, well, usually it was because they were like finding his hideout and he had set up traps for them, yeah. including the one we talked about, the there, shotgun. There's at least five police officers that got fucking axed in the original series. Yeah, and, but usually when they got too close, you're right. like, oh shit. So definitely something that happened. It is hard though because then you get into the idea of uh, is it okay for a vigilante to take that sort of justice into their hands. This is like the whole Punisher argument of why people like him and don't like him. Because the Punisher is a cop killer. And then he Absolutely. somehow got changed into a representative symbol for the right, far, far right, which shit. is weird. So much so he had to change his logo, which is intense. It's annoying to me to see like Confederate flags with like Punisher on yeah, it. I'm just weird. like, did you read the did you read the comics at all? Yeah, man. Government killed his family. He fucking went on a <laughs> rampage after that. Yeah. He killed gangs and cops at the same time. Wild. Um, so, yeah, that was that was one of the things I had been thinking about, too. This is also a hilarious argument about, like, whether or not Batman is is needed. Because he <laughs> ends up just being a vigilante who can do more help other ways. Like, literally giving money. He's literally, like, a billionaire. He yeah, so funny. He can easily so find more projects around the community to help better people's way of life. But instead, he's just letting out his sad, you know daddy right. issue anger oh, uh really conflicting as far as me watching this film while i do totally understand that they were not going to get some sort of justice without this guy doing things you also get the impression that of course it's not a good thing to do so what do you do because this is people who deal like say with the current system we have where we know things might not happen and you see a lot of people walk free but if you yourself decide to do something illegal you might actually get the hammer coming down on you and you'll go to prison for it so it's like the it's such a hidden miss on the system that we currently work in that you don't know how to respond to some of these situations something that's not explored or it is vaguely tried to be hinted at is that uh the chief of police is the one who's pulling the strings also yeah they they really kind of hid it under a few layers of what's going on but it did seem like she, of course, she covered up most of it, but it was also the one who told people to do certain things. Right. There's all these hints that, like, they even start turning on uh, uh, Chris Rock, and they're like, where was the last time you saw your dad? Yeah. Was like, this morning. Like, bullshit, dude. Yeah. Like, there's you know, too for many... the longest time, I thought it was his dad that was doing the killings because he was trying to get revenge for the injustice against his son. I thought it, too. It yeah. kind of makes sense. It kind of does. But no, it was closer to him the whole time. Now, that one thing that, that definitely ruins the twist is that we don't see the trap with the skinny. Um, where That's they true. Find, where they yeah. find Detective Shank, quote unquote. Um, simply because the MPAA did, couldn't do that because they wanted to put it in an NC-17 rating uh, mm. for that movie if they were going to leave it in there. Understandably they, so. They knew that they would lose a lot of revenue if they did that. Oh, dang. So they had to cut out that entire trap. And Justine was bringing it up to me. I didn't think about this, but like, what did the new cop do? He just got on the force like two days ago. Right, because all of the killings that had happened before were somehow justified by something that that person had done prior. But this guy's brand new to the force, doesn't really know how things are going, at least pretends that he doesn't know. So like, what could he have possibly done to get murdered? And I was like, you know, I wouldn't put it past the killer just to start killing everybody around them. But at the same time, the killings were way too intentional. Like, he wouldn't just do something randomly. Yeah, so that's, like, kind of one of the first notes. And then you finally get the, the twist at the end, if you could call it that, <laughs> <laughs> where uh, Detective Shank is just like, I want you to be my partner. 
I want to take out the system. You just show me who the bad cops are. Oh, interesting. Yeah, that's true. I didn't think about that, too. Huh. They also have a good callback to the first movie where they give him the saw and he's handcuffed to the pipe. Oh, right. You think he's going to cut it open, but I'm pretty sure that bobby pin was put there intentionally. Oh, yeah, to give him a chance to, like, get out and everything. That fucking glass cannon thing that they made for that was fucking intense, too. That was cool. I liked that one. Like, creative as far as, like, what you've seen so far. There are some of them that stick out to you, like, when you've watched the previous films. I also love the uh, the killer using, like, um, the blue boxes to, like, show show different hints and, like, little riddles and stuff like that. And he always has the flash drive with... <coughs> With the monotone voice. You know what's funny, too, is those boxes are Tiffany blue. Ooh. They really mean? are, yeah. Yeah, Tiffany, the diamond company, they have the signature blue that they put on all of their boxes. They've uh, trademarked the color. They are the only company allowed to use it for their packaging, and, and you'll so know So now it. I'm wondering what the symbology is behind that, because I feel like there's something more to that box. Ooh. Any thoughts? I don't, I'm not As far as, like, what company. do you, I, I always took it as that he was, like, <laughs> he, was, he was giving them the evidence they needed. He was wrapping it up nice like a bow and then gives you that. Because that's how they usually refer to cases where things just fell on their lap and they were mm-hmm. able to get those. Like somebody handed it to them as a gift. But yeah, here you go. That, I'm not I was sure. like, oh, these, this is a tongue. All right. <laughs> yeah, literally it's their it's body like, parts. It's a doll made out of human skin. Oh. Yo, that was wild. Yeah. Also, the, uh, I do need to mention that the, the new puppet that they made for this movie has a name. It does. <laughs> Mr. Snuggles. Mr. Snuggles. Which is awful. <laughs> the Uncle Sam pig. Yeah, he's he, he's a little he's a pig in a suit, you know. <laughs> nice. Like that analogy. Um there is also um a bit of production about the voice. They weren't sure which voice to go with for the new copycat killer and that literally was chosen 2 days before they finished the sound mixing. I kind of like it. I like the use of flash drives and all this stuff because it, it modernizes the the cut and paste that we see with Saw. Right, because what did you have before? It was the little tapes, right? They still use the tapes, but uh, the thing is, like, now... It was a voice recording, though. Voice recording yeah. on a cassette player. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't an actual video unless yeah. they wanted you to see it while you were there. And so it's really it's really cool to see everything get modernized. The, the look of the movie with the blues and the yellows and oranges gives it kind of like a mood we don't we're never uh, told where the setting is but i can only imagine somewhere in in a metropolitan place maybe in the south or something because there's a fucking heat wave and shit that's true they are complaining about how hot it is all over which was i didn't see how it fit into any part of the plot besides that it was just hot well just generally whenever there is a heat wave going on especially in big cities there is an increase in crime because it's actually related that the temperature can cause people to be more agitable and so a lot of times you'll see a spike in crime during heat waves. Just agitated as fuck. Mm-hmm. And I think the last part of production, or last two, I think, is that I know that they made the tunnel for the tunnel scene all by themselves. Like, they basically Insane. made that. And they had to use one side of the tunnel for both both sides of the shots. So they eventually got a matte painter for the background of the tunnel. Oh, damn. And then, then they used forced perspective and angles to make it look like a train was coming one way. And then I know that the guy, do you guys remember the scene where they're basically trying to find Benny Rice and they, they go to the dealer's house and they yeah. fuck with him so hard? Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I guess uh, the the director loves watching magic videos on YouTube for like magicians. 
And so that guy is like a a famous YouTuber that does uh, magic tricks. Oh my God. And he wanted him to just be the drug dealer for that scene. And he was like, dude, they, I had to break my leg like four or five times on set over and over again, like every day. And they let him keep the mold, which is super cool. And he has, he's like, yeah, it smells like my fucking leg. Oh, weird. <laughs> what the fuck? That's such a weird bit of the production. Yeah, the guy just really liked that YouTuber and wanted him to be in his movie. It, just, it happens like that. Yeah. Did you guys have any favorite scenes then? Damn, finger ripping scenes, pretty amazing. <laughs> Fuck yeah, that's Real. that's 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 like the most fucked up shit. You got you got to describe the trap for people who haven't seen it. Oh yeah, so basically he's what is he? He's in water. He's got a big cage on his head. Uh, the water's rising, so he's probably gonna drown or be shocked. She'd be shocked to death because it's rising up to electric wires, and then he has to rip his fingers off. By biting down. On by biting head. down. Yeah, by biting down. So he has to incur. Yeah, so he has to bite down, and then his fingers get ripped off. And it is gnarly to watch Which that I'm hand. Which I'm just saying, that's a hard way to rip off your fingers, because already that's painful. So you want to scream in response, but you have to keep biting down in order to rip the fingers yeah, off. Yeah, this wasn't like a clean cut scenario mm-hmm. where you that, just get to chop them off. That was the whole reason that he lost the game, too, because he let out a scream for like 30 seconds. Yeah. You know, and ended up not winning the game. I mean, he probably would have lost anyway. Like, or bled <laughs> there out. was no way. Yeah, there's no way he was gonna get out of that one. Right. He kind of set him up just for sure to die in that trap. Same with like the wax trap. Yeah, same there's with, no same escaping with that. that it's shit. just like you're, they're not gonna live through this. They're just not going to. Uh, I'll probably go with the probably the most fucked up one, which is there's nothing like a flayed man in any film that because it's always disturbing it's been done in history for punishments and it's always memorable so it's like that is fucked up and i understand why they were like we got to take some of this shit out and lower the rating because to get that nc-17 rating you have to do some fucked up shit in movies oh i'm sure get we'll get rating. like a director's cut that's an nc-17 right. rating with an extra scene in it or something Definitely. i'm sure we'll get something like that I think my favorite scene was Samuel L. Jackson pistol whipping a dirty cop. Yo. (laughs) Purely for satisfaction reasons. He looks so pissed. Yeah. True. (laughs) That dumbass cop. I I like seeing them writhe. Yeah. And he has a scar on his face from that day, too, which is satisfying. Yep. He's always going to remember that shit. Uh, For me, it is uh, watching Chris Rock do impersonations. So him pretending to be the uh the robber and then him pretending to be a junkie so he could do the oh that's right interrogation oh hell yeah that's so fucking funny the (laughs) whole scene he's like i'm trying to give you an ipad but it won't fit in the box let me come up and he's like nah fuck you great piece of acting right there yeah like everything down to him just doing this little hop dance down below while he's pulling up the bucket yeah (laughs) and he takes a selfie with the guy's fractured leg oh my god Um, for me it's just like that scene is really well done and you could see the moral question in shank too because he's like don't we need a permit for this shit? Yeah, he's, he's like, like, you don't need a fucking warrant like to go into this guy's that, house. I mean that that whole scene with the with him pretending to be a drug dealer and stuff. That's like him being like, I feel like that's like him in his element to that yeah, moment. Like definitely. I'm being comedic, but I'm also being kind of like a little bit serious. You know what I mean? And that's kind of where Chris Rock's been for a while, and it was yeah. clear like it's clear that he like is good in that. He was good. In, he was good with the buddy cop stuff. I could. I felt yeah. like it was very believable, and uh, I I honestly felt that the relationship that Shank and him had. Was very bromancy and oh, were, it was. They were getting there. He actually cares about him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I like that stuff. I mean, what Chris Rock in a Lethal Weapon movie? He was in four. He was in four. He was yeah. in Lethal Weapon four. Yeah. I did not know that. Yeah. I had no 
idea he was in. Well, there you go. Makes sense then. There you go. Yeah. I think yeah. so. I'm actually not sure. Really? Yep. <laughs> it's Chris Rock. Like, I'm like, I didn't even know that. I didn't know that. I also really appreciate just, I don't know, the cinematography. It yeah. doesn't look like a Saw film. It looks like some, they're trying to go for something more updated. Uh, points to 21 Savage, too. That guy fucking spit on that track. Mm. Oh, <laughs> wild. Yeah, he was in Lethal Weapon 4 as Lee Butters. <laughs> I don't know how to feel about that. Um, yeah, weird. Also, Danny Glover. So It's already, oh, it's already <laughs> a thing. Well, question. Would you guys be open to seeing more iterations that aren't of the main story of Saw? If they said the book of Saw is going to be something we do every now and then. Uh, yeah, they should probably let, uh, open it up and let some other directors come in and try to do something with it. Yeah, it's it's like Saw is one of those things where I knew exactly what I was going to get also. when I came into this movie. I'm going to get a little bit of side drama and we're going to get some some kills. And they're going to be like squeamish and like gunt-wrenching kills. Like they're going to be gnarly. What would you guys rate the film? I give it a six. Hey, I give you applause for making it through it because I know you're yeah, not going to Yeah, I do not like Saw movies. I watched them when I was way too young and was emotionally scarred. Like, I don't mind gore, traditional killings, but it's the torture gore that I just, there's something about it I can't stand to watch. So I never like these movies. My opinion's probably very biased in that case. But I will say that the kills are interesting, which props them for that. I like some of the political commentary, but I think if you're really going to make a political movie, you got to dive a little deeper into it. But, you know, still entertaining to watch. Yeah, that's about it. <laughs> uh, so, um, I uh, unfortunately, my girlfriend watched this with me. She was not a fan. <laughs> we, we just kind of laughed about Chris Rock's faces that he made all the time, and then she would just turn away during all the torture parts. But I'm I'm thinking like six point five or seven maybe for this maybe a seven because because there's a couple things where I'm like okay I, I see why they went the route with how they did the killings and everything but honestly I feel like I feel like we don't need more Saw movies <laughs> I, I, I think I think that. I think we've done I think we've done <laughs> nine of them and the idea has and you can see like torture porn like this and like hostile. Yeah. And like shit like that. You know, there's tons of other movies that are doing this also. And I don't know if we need them, but also what Justine's saying, if you want to do a political thing, you got to go a little deeper. True. Then it's just sort of like, I feel like they only put that in there to appeal to the audience at the time. And it's really just an audience like favoritism sort of thing. There's not really anything deeper behind that they're trying to appeal to the audience, get more box office views. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to go with like a six. It's uh, it's it's entertaining at like the very least. Um, I liked Chris Rock in the role, and I think he should keep doing it. But chances are that he probably won't. <laughs> I I don't think he's terrible. Right. I just think he needs some more time. Yeah. He needs exactly. to practice a bit I more. Agree. He needs to work at it. He needs more. a little That's more time it. for it. I don't think um, he's terrible. They like dipped slightly into political commentary, but it wasn't deep enough. It, so it would make sense for political commentary. Yeah. Movie, so but. definitely something they can explore. More Saw films. Eh. We can right. go without right. him. Yeah. I wouldn't be upset if a new one came out, but it's also like at this point, you probably wouldn't be very successful with making them because people are kind of moved on. Ironically, we're like tapping into the A24 films that people are really starting to dig. And so that is like the new thing, like very indie horror films are like starting to become very prominent. And that's sort of where we're shifting to. Yeah. So that's kind of a cool thing. <laughs> 
Yeah. If I'm drunk, this is like an eight. If I'm <laughs> watching this on my own, it's like a seven, seven point five. Fair. I, the thing is, like, I grew up on all these movies, so for me, there's a little bit of a bias because I feel a personal connection to liking mm-hmm. them. Uh, I also played all the games, so oh, gotcha. I just really like the franchise as a whole. There are Saw games. Yes. <laughs> yeah, they're no fucked. idea that I had that there were Saw games. <laughs> oh, hi, Mitch. What you get, the shit? You have to look into that. God, I guess I have to go play Saw Way games to traumatize now. yourself, honestly. Um, oh. For me, it's always the twists and always the... Uh, the elaborate traps that keep it going. But for me, the soundtrack, and I like Chris Rock doing something horror for once. Uh, I watched this movie, and I thought the humor fell flat when I saw it in theaters. And then I watched it again for this viewing, and it was still funny to me. I was laughing a lot. So it did good on the comedy aspect. But I'm, I'm biased to the, the franchise as a whole. Cinematography is good. I love the filters that they use over this because the lighting – sets a, a specific mood that is so different from the original stuff. Cause it's all greens and blacks and grays. That's true. They use a lot of green. <clears> so the this, initial. they were like, let's make it colorful. Let's have fun with it. I think they could probably do, if not for like movies, they could probably adapt this into something like for Netflix, maybe a TV series. I'm surprised there hasn't been a TV show. Maybe an animated show. It. Maybe, maybe we're past the time for saw movies and more of yeah. adaptations. Well, TV has become prominent. In right. the last year, because of the of the pandemic, they were just making TV shows. You know, so saw many. TV series could be maybe get cool. get some get a bunch of directors to do different series Ooh, on it. Yeah, that'd For, be cool. If we nice continue anthology of if stuff, we, if we drop the John Kramer storyline <laughs> and just go off from the book of Saw, yeah, we could probably see some very creative things come out of the woodwork. Interesting. So seven point five, seven. All right, but yeah, are we? You good with that? That's about it. Yeah, we'll yeah. just wrap right. it up. Solid. Thank you. Thank you for checking this out. This is uh, episode two of season three. We're going off the chains this year. New, new, year. new content. We got new segments. Hey. Going to talk about sci-fi. Going to talk about games, monsters, cryptids, conspiracies, anime, weeb shit, hentai. Okay. No. <laughs> <laughs> There is. Uh, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> We're bringing down the Grindhouse, a podcast that discuss horror and media. Thank you for listening to this episode. Make sure to check out all of your stuff. And what is that stuff? We have our Patreon. For, for $2 a month, we recommend horror media for us to review, as well as check out all of our bonus content that we do right now currently on Patreon. You can also check out our Teespring, where we have merch, cups, shirts, with all sorts of different designs, and wear that swag that shit's dope check out our socials the twitters instagrams and the facebooks give us a like and a follow make sure to review us on apple podcast as well as give us a follow on spotify and apple podcast so you can be notified whenever new episodes drop we're getting on top of our shit this year we're doing more (laughs) people want more and we're gonna give them more so give the people what they want yeah is it art is it content i don't know debate it (laughs) <laughs> yeah. I love that. Right. I'm out. Grab your shoes. Yeah, I got them. Oh, you Does got your shoes already? See my glasses? Oh, oh. <laughs> oh, I found them right here. I can't see you without your glasses. Yeah, here, here you go. <laughs> oh, God. Jinkies. Jinkies. John, did you get your coat? It's cold out. <laughs> yes. Get your fingerless I'm, gloves. I'm very cold. Yeah, it's very cold. Get your right. house slippers. Yeah. Oh, good, 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 good. All right. I'm Mitch. I'm Murr. I'm Justine. And I'm Jonathan. Thank you. Woo!